Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome. My name is Omar Khuref, and I'm the curator sure. of One Five Forum um, at, um, at One Five Forum at One Fifty Four Art Fair, uh, London, this year, entitled "Continental Drift." For those of you joining, this talk is going to be held in both English and French, and there are instructions in the chat box as to how to make this simple feature of live and simultaneous translation work for you. Uh, just to begin, as we are approaching the end of this year's forum in London, I wanted to take the opportunity to reflect on the concept of the continental drift. The theme for this year's forum very much emerged from thinking about a world that was unfolding in different temporalities in different parts of the world. Of course, we have the choreography that has been engendered and enabled by um, a, a, pan a world within a pandemic, but there is also something much more personal embodied that has to do with how artists work across different geographic planes and in different modalities. I conceived the forum as thinking about this interstitial moment in history and composed it really as what I've called a symphonic reverie, where we move from antiquity to the future and back again, where we have sat together and listened, listened to ballads and pop songs, newly composed music and poetry, debated concepts of the voice and voicelessness, trauma and memory, which collectively speaks to a world in flux, a continent in flux, but also a space of endless endlessness, one of possibility that if you haven't been able to experience will luckily be available for you all to, to listen to and to watch after this week's events. This specific panel is entitled The Walk Towards the Future, and it emerged very particularly from thinking about the role that artists play in building artistic ecologies through their own individual practices, but also through the act of institution building by being teachers, advocates, networkers, so I wanted to bring together three very distinct voices from across the African continent and its diaspora to think through these questions in a salon style discussion. We, um, this event today um, is held and presented in partnership with FIDEN on the eve and celebration of their new publication, African Artists, of which you may be able to make out a slight image of here, the beautiful color schemes of um, the cover here, of which all three of today's artists feature in this piece, in this, in this publication. And as you'll find in the chat box, list, those listening today and attending the 154 fair are able to claim a 20% discount and the information is in the chat box. I'm going to introduce uh, three speakers today. So Michael Armitage 
is an artist who was born uh, an artist who was born in 1984 in Nairobi, Kenya, and lives between Nairobi and lives and works between Nairobi and London. And I met uh, Michael in 2015, I believe, when I was preparing for an exhibition title entitled "Imitation of Life," and I was particularly struck by Michael's use of the Lobogo bark as a canvas a material that he used to animate or reanimate the very concept of history painting, infusing it with very specific daily occurrences and events, but also with potential imaginaries of an alternate or possible future. Since then, he had, well, I, I was able to, fortunate to present his work in, an in that very exhibition. But also, Michael has gone on to have numerous monographic exhibitions from the Museum of Modern Art in New York, and most recently, an exhibition at the Haus der Kunst, a monographic show that traveled to the Royal Academy of Arts, which was a collaboration with the Nairobi Contemporary Art Institute, which is one of the subjects of our conversation today, which is an organization that Michael has been working on developing with its director. Otobong Nakanga is an artist whom I met in 2014 around the constellation that is in pursuit of bling. Uh, an artist and poet, uh, she animated my mind with the potential for lyric to encourage us to think about the constant mining and fragility of the earth, not only on the African continent, but in a more global sense. And to think about the notion of accountability and what that means on an individual level, but also on a macro societal level. The subject of many monographic presentations, Otto Bong is currently in Bregenz, where she is installing an exhibition that will open on the 2nd of November, a major monographic show, and also simultaneously has exhibitions on at the Castillo de Rivoli in Torino, and also an exhibition just about to close at the Villa Arson in Nice. Otto Bong and I actually came to this topic through thinking about the Carve to Flow Foundation, which will be one of our subjects today, which emerged from an artwork thought process that was present, presented in the last documenta in Athens and Kassel. Bill Colonet um, is an artist who was born in, in Brazzaville, Republic of Congo. And I came to know of Bill's work through these incredible canvases that were dissected and stitched back together, which represented scenes of bodies, bodies in flux, bodies that may have been traumatized, that bodies that were surviving or fighting or negotiating their space in an era of tumult and great conflict. But it was actually Otobong Nakanga who informed me of Bill's ongoing commitment to writing, the interrelationship between the literary and, and the visual, but also the personal and the political, and was the one also to introduce me to um, 
uh, Bill's work as the artistic director of a contemporary art organization um, that Bill founded in 2012 that is devoted to supporting emerging contemporary artists. And this is the subject of discussion today as well. I have encouraged our speakers to also think of this as a space for us to convene and constellate our ideas, but also to ask each other questions about the different ways in which we work, the ways in which we negotiate our practice and the what we might deem our contribution to our local communities through educational initiatives and the creation of institutions for contemporary visual culture. And so I wanted to begin with you, Bill, um, with, the, with this question that I want to ask all three of you, which is to, to try and understand where did the urgency come from for, for you to want to develop an, a contemporary art center in, in your own country that would give back and support, nurture young contemporary artists? I'll start, shall I? So, as you know, I'm Bill Koeleni. In 2012, I began the Samia at, at workshops. The idea was to support and uh, uh, young creation. It's, it's important to say that it, at some point we were quite, uh, we saw a lot of uh, creation by the uh, very classic uh, creation. So I'm bringing the contemporary side through my practice. So I've started to uh, become quite active and young people are now starting to worry, wonder about how they can express themselves. So they come and they, they want to learn about contemporary art and also learn about other practices. And I find that, uh, so that's why I thought about creating a space uh, where everyone can meet. Uh, and that's how I share my experience. And that began in 2012. Is that because you needed the place? Yes, in, in Brazzaville, in the historical um, district of Macumba, which is a very well-known part of the, uh, the, the town. I'll follow up with further questions in a second, but maybe I could pass that same question to Michael. What was the urgency or what was the context that led you to become involved in co-founding and co-developing the Nairobi Contemporary Art Institute? Hi, Omar. Th thanks so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be part of this conversation as well. Um, Nkai began, well, it was something that, that for me, we there had been not-for-profit spaces that had shown work in various guises and took various forms um, th throughout the last sort of 50 years at home. But in 2017, uh, myself and Mukami Korea um, set up something called The Gathering. And in kind of 
reaching the point at which the gathering happened, I asked a lot of the artists and students and so on in Nairobi, what is the thing that we we need the most within the art scene? What are we lacking? And pretty much everybody said two things. One was a not-for-profit space, and second was a was a different sort of higher education um, than than what we had at home. So so that's basically what began the process that's now led to the formation of Nkai was to provide a space that people could do ambitious shows um, in, but also an educative space. The other aspect of Nkai that for me made it feel urgent was that when talking to a lot of the students at that time, pretty much none of them knew any of the artists that showed sort of before 2005. So in effect, our entire contemporary visual art history was being lost to them as students. And being lucky enough to be in places and to have studied where there were museums that were accessible, also to have grown up and to be introduced to the life of an artist, to be introduced to art through artists that were, were shown and perhaps were no longer part of the commercial art gallery scene, but still making work and had laid the groundwork for the rest of us as artists to, to follow in and to have careers in. The, their work was also not visible. The, the younger generations, for, for me, was really, um, really problematic. And so this was then maybe the other element of Nkai for us, which to me is important, is that we do historical shows as well and provide a space for the older generation artists that have very limited visibility at the moment to do retrospective shows or new shows and and work with them so it's kind of has those three elements to it really i think there's some good follow-ups as well there and we'll come back to that ottobong would you like to talk to us about about the carve Shiflo foundation which is slightly different in that it's also its activities are alive but the the entire structure is still in formation are you muted ottobong Thanks for the invitation to be part of this group, which um, I'm super excited to be part of. Um, yeah, I think the way of thinking about Carve to Flow really came out from an, an, an um, really thinking about ways in which a work can be um, shifting in its state um, from oil, you know, to the soil, to um, soap, to economy, from economy to non-tangible knowledges, and and to think of a project that is constantly shifting its state over time. And at this point in time, I mean, Carve to Flow is an art space in Athens, um, and which is um, directed by Maya Tunta, uh, the curator, I, the young curator I worked with um, during the time of preparing the work in Documenta. Um, and then there's also the foundation in Nigeria. And it's, I think there's something about being in the diaspora and also trying to make do a project within the continent and you feel that you're split between two places. And um, and you also, for me, I also feel that it needs time for one to really understand how to really get into a place and how to work with a place, how to work with that soil. And so in Nigeria at this point in time, we're really mainly farming 
and and really looking at crops and plants and understanding the kind of um, ecosystem, the kind of economy and the way food is distributed from one end to another. And from planting, we are beginning to understand that the kind of food crisis can be much, can be quite explosive or can be immediate due to different kinds of factors of bad roads. And, you know, there are just so many things that we're looking at. So within that, there, there's a part of farming and also ways of contributing within the local sphere. And the foundation is based in uh, my village, um, in my hometown, um, in Uyo, and in Akwaibom state in Nigeria. But we're also looking at how the plants, through plants, through soil, through all these elements, will be able to create um, something with young women. And later on, in between, see how art can enter into that. Because I feel like a lot of times within the society, the idea of art has stayed in a place of painting and sculpture and, and very classic kind of ways of making. Um, but I feel that the way of introducing art could be very much linked and very much directed with elements that are in place and also to understand those elements and from there to build something um, from that, from the soil itself, yeah. So I, I mean, my, that's the way I'm thinking, but it's something or with the people I'm, I'm working with, it's something that I'm thinking that would take time and it's a long-term project. I mean, the, I suppose you, you mentioned this idea of thinking long-term and that's something that I really want to I go back to Bill to discuss, which is this idea of what does it mean to run a space over a, a period of time? How, how has it been for you establishing this, 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 uh, this atelier in, in, in Brazzaville since 2012, have you received support? Have you received pushback? Has there been, have you, do you deem it a success? And how do you maintain those, the, the, the challenges of maintaining an infrastructure while also maintaining your artistic practice? Bon, euh, déjà, je voulais souligner que... I wanted to emphasize that uh, creating these kind of spaces is very much linked to the role of the individual who is transmitting something. So people that I train as well are very much involved in this transmission process. Our art center is in a popular neighborhood. So the idea is to really encourage people from that neighborhood to come and to actually practice with us, um, to actually um, put on shows, and so the idea is to really encourage this young generation particularly to train as they go along as part of my artistic practice that the pluridisciplinary nature of what I do is really important as well so I want to communicate with painters the painters need to communicate with the stage artists and those that are involved more in the plastic arts so the idea is to really have a dialogue between these different artistic practices and it's 
all about this transmission so for me uh, this really is uh, what I want to do with my art space I want it to be almost an artwork an oeuvre d'art in itself you know this is something that I want to have as a part of my artistic process and when I actually set up shows exhibitions on the site I want to encourage even children that are actually on the street you know street children to come in to find their way through art it really is a way of actually reaching out and continuing my own practice I feel and uh, so we organize these workshops and with regard to support itself I don't have any grants as such there's no real day-to-day budgetary support but we do uh, respond to call for projects calls for projects so that we can actually have support from certain foundations like Almada in Spain um, We've had some uh, donations like this or some support like this in Brazzaville as well. There are certain structures that have uh, assisted us. So it's a little bit precarious. It's a little bit sort of day to day seeing how things evolve, but that's how we've worked. It's, 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 it's a nice connection also to what Michael's saying and that Michael's talking about, um, you know, that this you know, the Nairobi Contemporary Art Institute was also a space that they realized needed to show uh, older artists and established artists who don't have a space to exhibit in the, in the contemporary work that they're making in the current ecosystem. And in a way, it's about, it seems that there is also a connection here and that it's about creating a context for people to start to understand visual culture. And I'm I'm curious if over time, in you know, in in working in this in the, in this site, that have you developed specific allies or artists who then come through the come through the workshops and become people who run workshops and how that's affected or changed your relationship with the local community and art scene. Yes, the artists who come to our centre and uh, learn really are often inspired by the place and want to do something themselves. This relationship with the, com with the, with the community is really interesting, I think, because it's not just artists it's also just individuals who come in they might just hear some music being played or something and they'll come and actually just explore and see a show it's it's the idea is to really be open to people just passing by in this popular neighborhood this is something really important for me so it's maybe some somebody who hasn't said right i'm going to go and i'm going to go to see a show in an artistic space and I'm going to dress up and no that's not really the idea the idea is to really bring people in and encourage them to become curious and to expand their points of view they may not be connoisseurs at all they may not really be aware of the artistic realm but the idea is to really try to encourage that I wanted to go to Michael and uh, hear more about Inkai in relation as I was kind of Bill made me think about the context of the space and the, the the notion of creating a feeling. And I wondered, is there a sensibility through language, through space, through the choice of presentations that um, you've been considering in relation to how you bring in audiences and different people into Nkai? You're on mute, Michael. 
Maybe everyone should just thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, I think like firstly, I mean, it's it's so inspirational to hear Bill talk about her space and um, you know and how they've been able to engage the community around her and how open that is. And there was just one thing where where you had mentioned about these spaces allowing an understanding of of contemporary art where I don't actually feel that's correct I I think it's just more about a, a sort of engagement I don't I don't know if there's necessarily anything uh specific to learn in that's in that sense in which you could understand more and you know I I, I think with with us even if you just take the name you know Nairobi Contemporary Arts Institute that that was in itself perhaps a direct already a direction in that for me part of it was giving something to resist you know for 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 artists like to resist what what would be an institution what what we may do what what they may find in there but also to feel like there's there is something that they're part of with, with a history to it with you know an idea of of learning even though i'm just contradicting myself as always um but you know that that it that it had those kind of different voices and in many ways i'm by far the least uh experienced and capable of answering this as where we really are in our embryonic phase phase right now but one of the things that's been interesting trying to operate within the pandemic has been for us the question if we don't have a physical space which we weren't able to open last year as we had intended um although we are opening this year in december um what what are we you know like what what is our audience who is our audience and like that we we ended up with a couple different takes on that one like we're doing now um it led us to doing more online things to developing our um, films that we're making on artists. Um, uh, you know, we're making a series of 18 films of which we've done five so far. Um, it meant that, you know, like online talks like this were important an online version of the gathering, things like that. But for me, the limit of those at the moment is it's very much for an already existing art going community. And I think what will become important starting with children and then running the whole way through is to make sure that what we do reflects the innate generosity which is making art and the attempt to communicate with others you know and i feel like that's maybe in that sense i would say my approach is a little bit different to what where um, I feel that my, my practice is separate, um, is separate from this endeavor. So the, de, de initiative. Um, the, uh, yeah, you're getting the little crosswires. Do you know the, trans, the English translation is coming up French, so I don't know if there's something wrong with the toggles. But but only in so much as I, like I would I would feel that the um, like a pain my my personal practice is uh, quite indiv in like individual and one of the things that's been such a joy about about doing something that involves other people is to have that you know and and to be thinking 
to be thinking that way the whole time um you know in in the process of making bouncing <laughs> ideas together and like that it's such a communal you know it's endeavor i wanted to respond first to the the notion of learning and say that art's fundamental qualities uh, wherever they may exist whether it's online or in physical space i mean my belief as many you know in a benjaminian sense is that engagement with the art object uh, leads to something phenomenological and visceral but over time that can become an experience of learning and if children come there is no expectation that they will decode and understand a painting neither that artists um, will learn about entire new movements or curators or anything but we learning is interestingly i feel a kind of secondary um uh, proxy that comes out of this but that's what's fascinating to me is that unlike for example traditional not-for-profit ngo structures those tend to have to be ha under an educational remit to receive specific funds and that's actually a very interesting point for you to mention that you're not that's not in the mission statement necessarily for example but there's something you, you mentioned that the, the space didn't open as expected and you did have but you did something and I was curious about the relationship of that to and Kai and the influence of it on your practice which was uh, your your exhibition your touring exhibition from Haus der Kunst to the Royal Academy featured the work of numerous artists from uh, from both Kenya and from the African continent who has inspired you um, who featured in the exhibition and I would love to know whether that was um, completely independent from from that context or whether there was an interrelationship because it sounds very much that that's the kind of thing that you would seek those kinds of visual conversations are ones that you would be seeking to make with Nkai. Yeah, I did. so the, um, again, I suppose this was one of the opportunities that came up as a result of the pandemic, where I had a show at the Kunst in Munich, and um, the, um, there was the potential to take on a larger space. And in the conversations with um, Andrea Tony and uh, Anna Schneider um, there, this idea that it could take on other aspects of things that I'm involved in, like with Nkai, and, and have some some element of, of other artists work be part of it came open. So then to me, the question became um, like, what, what is a meaningful way of doing this? You know, and one of the one of the points where not from, I would say it wasn't from my wanting it to have that, but from the institution wanted it to have some relationship to my work. So which well yeah fair enough but um but as a result i wanted it to look at the evolution of figurative painting in east africa running from the 50s to 2000 you know a, a period where very little um agency is given and respect is given to the ideas and the considerations of the artists at those times and both in terms of writing and showing. So it was an attempt to look back again in a relatively li limited format through the eyes of six artists at the evolution and ideas of figurative painting. So, um, 
and and that itself will be a show that will come to in Kai. This also provided us an opportunity to start conversations with institutions that have pretty extraordinary collections of East African artists outside of the continent. One being the World Culture Museum in Frankfurt, who rather extraordinarily have 130 paintings by Jack Katarikawe, who's one of our, uh, our leading artists from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. It's the sort of thing where if we wanted to do a retrospective show, there you couldn't do one without that collection and you can't find that sort of work in Nairobi. So it also meant that we could begin having these conversations with other institutions. Um, and 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 that that was kind of where it really provided an opportunity for Nkai to to start to start the collaborations, which to my mind are what will allow us to have any form of success, you know, is how much we can partner with others and how we can do this in a, as communal a way as possible. Thank you, Michael. Ottobon, can you unmute yourself, please? Because um, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, it's best to begin that way, isn't it, now? Uh, uh, for our audience's lovely audience's sake. Uh, Ottobon, the Karsta Flow Foundation is germinating as it were, though, and I'm specifically thinking of the foundation in, in Nigeria. And I understand from our conversations that it's an incredibly complex project in terms of the various prongs that you want to in, enable, but also in terms of funding, supporting and generating those. And I feel we need to know more so that we can all help in some way and engage. Can you tell us? Well, there, I think there are different ways in which I'm thinking about or we are thinking about the project or and the foundation. But I, I think I forgot to mention that there are different aspects within Carve to Flow, which is um, here within Europe, how we move through different spaces to be able to think around soil or to think around the economy. And Carve to Flow has been um, uh, in, in Gropus Bau, um, and we worked with Nuno Vasconcelos, who's a Portuguese um, architect, to be able to really talk about the soil from Berlin. And we're now coming into Antwerp to really reflect within the art school, the Royal Art School in Antwerp, um, as a way of expanding, econ um, expanding academy and as a way of thinking beyond, um, uh, beyond the classic kinds of um, um, propositions that the school does, but in a way to move through the city to understand the city from its underbelly. So capital flow works very much in this very um, space of knowledge based works, but also terrain work and understanding locality. Um, and at the same time in Nigeria, um, I think one of the things I think is important to mention is that we really got land to be able to work on and and I hadn't been to my father's um, land or my father's village um, since he died in 1981 so the first time I went back was in 2018 to the village normally I'd go back to Nigeria to the you know to Lagos to Abuja to different places but this was the first time I had to confront, let's say, the past and to um, be in a place that um, I never really wanted to go back to. 
but it was the first time I entered in the in a place and I felt I connected to it deeply without understanding why. And so I think the notion of actually getting a piece of land to be able to start working with people was the first kind of approach of thinking how, how to connect. Um, and so at this point in time, um, we're really thinking how can we work with young women um, and connect it to the farm. So that means not necessarily them being working on the land, but a way that we can break the kinds of cost of things in which they can then have certain parts of the uh, fruits of the labor that happens within there in which they can then start building an economy for themselves. So for me, I'm very much interested in economy and I'm very much interested in how material, how material, how land, how um, plants, how different elements that are so connected to the place you live in can generate an economy. But at the same time, we also understand how these economies can be broken. And so for me, it's been interesting to be able to see from, especially during this COVID time, I was meant, we were meant to go back to Nigeria in 2020 and to do workshops with the women. But with the COVID, it was very difficult. So we decided that it would be better to start planting. And by planting, that means that you have to look at the time frame of the plant. So by the time you can plant, um, let's say plantain, that takes nine months. So during the time of COVID, you're already starting to grow things. Or if you're looking at herbal plants, you're already starting to grow those things that you will need to be able to start making workshops, to be able to start um, working with students, let's say in the university from the agricultural sector, or to be able to work with people that are botanists. Um, so it was a way to just start by planting itself. And from there, we're now discussing on what kinds of um, areas would be interesting to start developing. And that development will also be infused with art. So um, my own approach is not to bring art or not to work as bringing art in the first place, but to work from um, materials, to work from the local kind of fauna and flora, and from that to be able to develop ways of thinking about making, and not only art, but also craft. So the two totally mingled and intertwined. So I think that's where we are at. I mean, the capital flow part in Athens um, works quite, is working slowly and surely. In Athens, so that's the production center of the soap? Where yes, that was, yeah. So, so just to clarify for everybody, it's so it began with your research around the body and thinking about these materials these these scents from around the Mediterranean, from around these contested spaces, and you Athens became the production center, correct? Yeah. yeah, so I think maybe I could clarify for people in the sense that the whole project of capital flow was really thinking about how do you create from places of crisis and and how can you rethink the ways of 
ideas of exploitation and what does that mean? Um, and so for me, Athens, when I was invited um, to do Documenta in Castle and in Athens, it made sense to be able to make a soap that would use the olive oil, let's say 60% of the soap was olive oil from Kalamata and the rest were oils coming from North Africa, West Africa, um, and also from the Mediterranean, because these are the places at this point in time, or even for quite some time, that is under tension, under war situation, ecolo ecological, economical crises. And by making a soap, um, the Blackstone 08, the soap was a way to be able to think about ways in which economies flow from oils to become a solid state and from a solid state when being sold becomes money, which is another tangible form. But once you shift that non that tangible form into something that is not tangible, um, we, we then, um, how do you say, we, we have to think of ways in which that non-tangible form starts affecting people's lives. So that transformation was important for me to be able to still, or important for, the, for all of us that were in the project, to be able to come back to Athens, the place that we've taken out so much oil, so much material, even the knowledge of making the soap, and to be able to put something in a way that balances or tries to balance out what we've extracted from a place. So for me, I'm always constantly thinking of that notion of extraction, which is not just a material extraction, but the knowledge, knowledge extraction. Um, there are many kinds of extraction. And how do you balance out? How do you find a way that one thing that you've taken out of here can fulfill maybe another thing that you might not see the result now, but you might see the result in 10 years. Um, and I'm interested in that kind of time a timeline and different things that punctuate that timeline. And and just to just to kind of clarify something as well, which is for me very interesting. This is kind of would it be fair to say this is kind of like a Gesamtkunstwerk, a mega work in that it, an ultimate work in that you're bringing your your interest in extraction of knowledge production, archival ar archival systems of knowledge. Um, the earth, uh, minerals, into an, a circular transcontinental structure that where one feeds the other. So the soaps create an economy that begins to generate the basis for the foundation in Nigeria that will self-sustain through skill sharing. And those are pretty, I mean, is, is it fair to say this is a kind of mega artwork that would that you see being at the core of everything you do from now on? Or is it something that you see as you will hand it off? Um, I think, I, I do not know because I, the way of conceiving Carve to Flow was for it to be able to evolve and flow. So even in Athens, I'm, not, I'm, I'm in constant dialogue with Maya, but she takes a big um, control of the art space and what it's meant to be um, and how it should be. Um, in Nigeria, I would like that it becomes really part of the people's, um, um, people's, how do you say, the people's land or the people's way of like um, uh, evolving in the ways that they do things. 
So I do not know how things will evolve, but what I think, what we are thinking of is really to think of ways in which we can find within this project ways of generating economy and generating knowledge of soil, knowledge of farming, and from that knowledge, how to make things. Um, we are specialists of raffia, of palm oil, of the different things that we know how to make. But at the same time, when I went back, I realized that a lot of this, like making raffia has become a knowledge that is totally slowly disappearing. And there are much more things made out of plastic or things that are imported into a Kwaibom region. So it's like, we have this knowledge, it's ingrained in us, we have the material. How are we going to develop that? And that can even enter into an artistic practice, but to start from the core itself. So I do not know how, the, how things will evolve, but it's by, I think it's by the encounters that I'm having through um, meetings with, even to build the foundation, to people that have knowledge of making products, to people that have knowledge of um, the soil, um, to consult, you know, we're, we're dealing with so many people that are involved, evolve, evolve, making the project evolve. But if I have to say, for example, with my artistic projects, I realized that a lot of the decisions I'm making in relation to ways in which I'm making work is actually to reflect how is the work going to affect the soil? How am I going to make a work that is constantly reflecting on how it is put back in the earth, even when, even in the process of making? Um, for example, here in Brigest, I was very much interested in working with um, Martin Rauch. And Martin Rauch is, um, um, how do you call it? He's a ceramist from start, but he's now, he's one of the specialists of making rammed earth. So my work, I've been working here with him for the past one week and that knowledge I'm having is pushing, I'm thinking in long-term in relation to Nigeria and trying to connect with people that understand specific ways of working with material in which if I need to build something that I will have the knowledge of understanding how to compress, how to work with that in a specific locality. So the way of making work is intertwined with the kinds of collaborations I want to have, but those collaborations must feed Nigeria or the project in the future. I wanna ask a, a, a maybe difficult question for everybody. So if you could unmute yourself, Paul, and also to welcome the audience to, if you have any questions to so please drop them in the chat box and for the team to make sure that I get them. Uh, this question is, is really about the relationship between market and capital. And I wondered if any of you have made decisions about, for example, uh, where you will exhibit, what you will be willing to sell, who you'd be willing to take money from, uh, on the basis of that these, um, for example, your commercial galleries or your um, donors or collectors, that, that, that they support these projects. And I, I, I do know in some cases, I have heard of, um, for example, galleries supporting artists to build schools to contribute to community projects, but it tends to be very rare. Uh, and I, so I was curious if any of that, if there was a merging of 
th those aspects in any of your practices for any of you? Um, I'm happy, happy to go with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, I suppose I've been lucky to to work with a gallery that's been very good and generous to me like that. But that that has had been one of the one of the aspects of working together where for me, it is important that those endeavors are supported by the commercial side of of my own my own practice. But I have to admit beyond that, though, like I, I don't I, I feel like part of the success of Nkai will be when it isn't reliant on a relationship to myself. If it if it evolved into being a something that others felt was necessary to keep alive and um you know and for th those in Nairobi feel like it's it's worth having and, and there are other ways of sustaining it um which are less precarious than on an individual I think I I would like for me that would be a what one significant element of success that it's important enough for the community to call, to want to keep yeah i think i would say that I, that is that has been one of the main questions i asked when when um developing the project have to flow because most times we ask foundations or ask institutions for money and things like that. And it leaves a lot of things precarious. And also that you see a lot of things die. Um, a lot of great ideas, a lot of great projects um, have disappeared because of that notion, that question of money. And we always ask that question of money. So the, the idea of this transformative, that a work of art can take different forms, can enter into the enterprise, can enter into a world of um, um, different worlds um, was for me very important. So even in Nigeria, with the people I'm working with, we're constantly thinking, how are we going to sustain this? Because we had a, a certain amount of capital from the selling of the soap. And so with that, the, we're really calculating on how one can reach not only earning money from let's say the farm itself, but also expanding a way that other people can earn money through the farm. And so if you can start by giving out a certain amount of fruits or vegetables and this per person can sell it, then the person can sell it at a higher, we can sell it at a much cheaper rate because some of the, what we looked at was also to see that the things we're planting are the things that you normally get from the north of Nigeria, but we're planting it in the south. So that means we're cutting costs on transport on every, all the other, all the little things that will make it so expensive that you can then now send, sell to local people at a much cheaper rate than what is in the market. And they can then sell that at a much higher rate, at the normal rate, so they can earn money underneath that. And so we're looking at all these different kinds of models in which to sustain the project, but within that, that money can also, what we earn can also go into um, um, artistic, educational, other kinds of realm 
but we are so grounded within that community. Um, but within this part of the world, um, so far we've been lucky that the money that we got from the soaps has been able to sustain both projects. Um, but of course, we're also looking at different ways. I'm discussing with my galleries in which some works can be um, donated in a way so that galleries do not take the percentages, but 100% goes to the foundation. But also looking with institutions that, you know, one can always acquire a certain amount of soaps that can then be used within social realm, but not enter into collections. So that money can go to the foundation, but goes in, but the soap does not enter into a person's personal collection or a museum's collection, but enters into social endeavors in the society. So I'm looking at different models in which can still it still keeps the core and the essence and the ethics that are around the work, but would still definitely de generate money so that things can move on and things can develop in places that they need to. Thank you, Ottoman. Bill, did you want to comment in any way on anything that's been said in relation to this subject? Are you on mute? Just, uh... Okay, I think that's working now. I just wanted to say that uh, this issue of money is something that always comes off of, up, of course. I have many galleries that do support us, but uh, I think what Autobahn said is really inspiring as well because it's something that you have to think about in the long term sustainability um, we have uh, been working now uh, for around about 10 years and the idea is to really create something that we can transmit to future generations so the idea of interesting the community is really important I'm now going to try and go outside of Brazzaville and into villages to really try to reach out to new populations so this link to the earth is also really important now i think it's a really important source of reflection and i'm really inspired by what Ottobung is doing in this sense i think uh, i'd like to really try to reorientate myself a little bit think about how we can work on this transmission to communities and really interest uh, individuals i think now after our 10 years of existence this is a new track perhaps Thank you, Bill. Well, I, I wondered if you guys had any burning questions for each other that you wanted to ask. Yeah, I, I think I was interested in um, uh, talk asking um, Bill with regards to her space, because I remember we met in um, Pointe Noire and we hung out a bit in Pointe Noire uh, in Congo. And at that point in time, you hadn't yet opened the space. But in discussion with you, you talked about mm -hmm. how this, I mean, in relation to the location, to the to the, the way you opened up the work. I'm interested in understanding how the beginning of that happened, how it, you know, how you developed that. And and what has come out of that? How, I mean, are they young artists who are the artists? Are they young people that are now doing work? Have you seen, what are the developments that you've seen in relation to people and the energy you've put in them? 
Ben, comme je, effectivement, on a passé des bons moments à Pointe-Noire. Ben, yes, uh, as I was saying earlier on, in fact, uh, I think that after 10 years, I can report back on that because it's, next day it will be 10 years. I've inspired many artists. I have uh, brought them out of the shadows. And today, most of the young people uh, have, the young people that are now working internationally, have a link to the SAM. They could not just Congolese, but they could also be uh, Cameroonian, um, and etc. But that they could also have, uh, they all have in common this uh, link with the SAM Foundation. But to answer your question, I think that we are very well known outside. We're known in Paris, our artists are known in London, but most of them are not known back home. So I would like to help these uh, young people because they are really at the limit of where they can go in, uh, in Europe. And I would like to uh, help these artists to bring back something to their countries but i think sometimes it's quite complicated because they they you know that they, they once once they get to europe uh, you know um they kind of forget what's happening back home so that's where i am that's where i come in they can you know have an impact on their villages on their homes sometimes the you know you have young artists who who don't know how to defend themselves and perhaps that they've experienced trauma, perhaps through art, they can find a, a way of expressing themselves and way to defending themselves. And so I think that from November, I'm going to start bringing uh, artists that are working with me and I'm going to ask them to come to the villages and uh, give them the opportunity to connect with uh, the village. We're going to, it's great to be able to take your art uh, overseas, but it's also important to bring it back to uh, bring it back home. And perhaps we can share that with young people, with children, and maybe they can, they'll learn that they could uh, find interests in, in other areas such as culture, agriculture, farming, how uh, can we use uh, local products, uh, local plants. And uh, I think, but it's true that I have, I think that I have had an impact on many generations of artists, but perhaps they can be a little bit selfish and maybe they could, uh, you know, they could share a bit more and that's what I would like them to do. And that's what I have given them this feedback and, and to not, you know, pursue their careers on an individual level, but also to remember their communities. Any, any Michael, do you want to ask anything, say anything, Otto? Bill. Yeah, just just wanted to um, echo, you know, what, what Bill was saying, um, and particularly about how you're setting things up, Ottobon, where it's 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 really exciting because, like that th that question of if you also do receive funds, where that comes from, um, and wanting for me, I'd always wanted it to be locally funded in in one way or another, but I hadn't really considered the fact that there could be a sort of commercial element to that in terms of make using local produce to grow the the entire endeavor and how important that initial connection is so it's it's really like what i find amazing with what you're doing as well is that perhaps it's the most conceptual out of the three endeavors 
but then in this in a in another sense it's literally from the ground so it's kind of it's kind of extraordinary to see it take that form um and, and I, I don't know, i just find that such an exciting an exciting way forward you know um and i i'm so intrigued to see what that evolves into um as well and it's so exciting like that to to hear bill about your your you also how how you're kind of expanding and i i wonder seeing as you've been doing it for a little while what what has most surprised you about um about setting up um and starting bill and Bill. Bill. If that was lost in translation. Pardon, j'ai pas bien compris la question. Qu'est-ce qui m'a? What was the question? Could you repeat it? It wasn't clear. Yeah, just um, from when you started, what what has been the most surprising thing that you were not anticipating uh, over the last ten years? Well, firstly, I'm a sculptor. So when I created the center, and so the first people who joined me were sculptors. Today, it is, uh, we have a lot of dancers in the center. They take a lot of, take up a lot of space. Uh, <laughs> so already that was unexpected. I uh, expected a lot of uh, sculptors, uh, art critics, um, and uh, you know to really speak about uh, contemporary art and, and painters, but it's now got so big. So it's not a space that I know or that I inhabit, but it is. Uh, it's also a kind of residence with all kinds of artists. There are artists who uh, who live there, who uh, they might spend three months there before going back into the world so i didn't really expect uh, you know to have this uh, you know i would like to, this initiative to go beyond who i am and beyond what i do and this way it, it's something that can survive in the long term and sometimes these initiatives can be too linked to the person who created the initiatives and sometimes these initiatives disappear when the artist moves away. So I want this to cont continue. I want it to survive without me. I want young people to take over and to hand it over to the next generation in the same way. So I don't yet have the formula for this, but I would like this uh, to live independently of me and independently of my career. Before we go, um, because I remember when we were in Pointe Noire with um, with um, Bill, um, she was also very much involved with uh, Goody Layer. Remember the um, and, mm -hmm. and and so I mean when Goody Layer died, that was so sad to see that the bakery also I don't know if it's still going on, but I haven't heard much. So, but it's just that one gets to realize that young artists. Um, people that are developed. I mean, Goody was such an amazing artist and also someone that we were at the Reichs together in Amsterdam. And then when he went back, opened up the bakery and then, uh, you know, things just became, he died and things just became complicated. But I think it was just from observing all those, you know, different spaces that open up all the Centre Soleil in, um, in Mali with Hamagoro, you know, and, and you're looking at all this, places and we start with youth and energy 
and and the little money we have and 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 one gets to realize how precarious these things are and how hard these things are. And when one person goes, what happens to everything? And I know that Billy was very much involved in that, um, but I don't know really what has come out of that. But just to finalize and to talk and to speak with Michael, um, it's a pity I missed the first gathering, but I'm wondering when is the next gathering because we had the invitation in, Feb in February last year and the whole pandemic took over. Um, but I was kind of excited with, you know, following up on this. I'm just wondering, when is the next gathering? Michael, you're muted. It's a good question, Autumn. <laughs> it's a very good question. I'm also wondering the same. <laughs> but we would, one thing we would love for you to be part of it, like in, you know, in whatever, whatever form that may take, but absolutely love for you to be part of it. And the same to you, Billy. Um, like, yeah. Um, Sorry, sorry. Go, I mean, go, go, go. Only for artists, can I check? Uh, no, no, you're welcome to Omar. <laughs> you're always welcome. It's an open door. Yeah. We have to wrap up now, but I just wanted to. Oh, Billy, Bill, sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, I completely agree with the with everyone else. Uh, Omar, you are most welcome, and it's a it's a gathering between us. It'll be fun. It's fantastic to make connections. Uh, it always leaves me very inspired. It gives me a lot of energy, and uh, it's true that it's it's so precarious at the moment, and it's very easy to lose motivation. And I thought about Gurule, who created this uh, space in. Uh, in the Cameroon, and of course, when he part, when he left us, everything disappeared. So that's why I, you know, I think it's so important that we continue in his legacy, and it's not always easy, you know, because it's not an easy area to work in. Thank you so much for paying the honor as well. Um, it's, it's. I brought the three of you together because. Post-pandemic, the, the nature and feeling and future of institutions has felt as if it's collapsing. When I talk about institutions, I'm not simply discussing museums, but equally government support structures that are seemingly invincible to currency, to even very basic tenants in education. And what I believe is that the society in which we're moving into, if we think about nature, if we think about the earth and its fragility, something that we've talked about a lot over the last few days, we need to create symbiotic structures. And what you're all doing is creating spaces of symbiosis that are not simply reliant on you, but you are being, you are progenitors of try and trying to create something that will turn a tide, a perception. And for that, I congratulate you and commend you, but also implore you to continue and also to push harder. And I believe that includes, for example, pushing auction houses, commercial galleries, whatever it is that you're doing, art fairs, to, like Ottobon was suggesting, certain works are donations for the foundation. Certain collectors are doing, are purchasing works for 
your organizations. And that needs to become something that's much more commonly understood as part and parcel of representing an artist is that you represent the full spectrum of their activities, which is not something that everybody does and something that I'm quite intimately aware of. Likewise, even with the not-for-profit sector, how can the spaces of the Tate galleries be used to support or give voice to your platforms? And so I hope that we can continue these conversations offline, wherever it may be, but we can also expand the group as well, because there are many, many individuals who have been talking to artists from across the continent and in other spaces into South Asia and Southeast Asia who would like to think of, dream of the same. But thank you for your courage and your bold um, uh, endeavors. Otopong Nakanga, Michael Armitage, and Bill Kulene for being with us this afternoon. And again, just to say thank you to Fiden for supporting this event and uh, which was held in to, to see this fantastic um, um, artistic endeavor um, that I just did there. Um, and if you'd like the book, anyone here can go online to Fiden's website and put Fiden 20 for a 20% discount. Um, but again, thank you so much and to the audience for listening. And I hope that we will think of this as, as an act at the beginning of a kind of solidarity, not a solidarity of, of struggle or fight, but a solidarity around imagination and possibility. Thank you so much.